Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin, and we've got a special guest. And if you are on our Inside Carolina UNC Basketball Premium message board, you saw Ross post a question earlier today about questions for our special guest, and that guest is Bobby Frazier. And Bobby, appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to join us. Um, it's going to be a fun show. Might not start out fun, but it'll get fun by the end of it. And I'm just going, I'm just going to jump straight into it though, and uh, ask you straight out: How does a kid from the Midwest, Chicago area, end up in Chapel Hill and and become part of the Carolina family? You know, I grew up in Big Ten country. Obviously, my dad played at Wisconsin. I grew up going to Wisconsin basketball games, Notre Dame games, uh, been all over. But I, my dad was a high school basketball coach, so I had a huge, huge passion for college basketball. Uh, he used to take me to the Final Four uh, when it was in Indianapolis. Uh, I think one of my first ones was when Carolina was there, I want to say 97, the year uh, Arizona won it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just had dreams of playing Division One basketball, playing at a high level. Um, obviously, I was being recruited by some local schools, Marquette, DePaul, had a really, really big spring uh, going into my senior year. Coach Williams started recruiting me, uh, went down there for the Bob Gibbons tournament, fell in love with the campus. Obviously, Carolina is head and shoulders above basically every other college basketball program, and so I knew that was going to be my best chance to play in Final Fours and win national championships and stuff that I had always dreamt of doing. And um, So it was an easy, easy recruitment process once uh, Coach Williams called. And you arrived as a freshman kind of after the 2005 season when they lost so many players from that 05 team and your recruiting class with you, Marcus Ginyard, Danny Green, and of course, Tyler Hansborough kind of started a new era in UNC basketball. What was that like, you know, starting as a freshman playing, I think over 30 games and playing a big role, you know, as an 18, 19 year old kid um, in, in a very high profile um, team. It had to be kind of a, a stressful, exciting, but, but really cool experience uh, in Chapel Hill that first year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if stressful is the right word, just because we were so naive, you know, to the situation. Like, yeah, we were thrown into the fire. You know, I committed there thinking, oh, Raymond's going to be there as a senior. Obviously, Quentin, uh, Quentin, Quentin Thomas is there. Uh, so there's there's a lot of guys uh, ahead of me. But, um, you know, once we got there and they'd won it the year before, we just, we just, we kind of meshed uh, as a freshman group and, uh, you know, we made the most of our opportunities. There was minutes to be had there. And, you know, a lot of us, I started a lot. Tyler started a lot. Marcus started a lot. Danny played a ton. Like it was, there was times where, you know, four of us were on the court at one time, which was, is, is crazy to think, you know, back in 2005, 2006, nowadays one and done, you see that a lot, but uh, you know, it was, it was a blast. I don't think any of us really thought too much of it. It's just, you know, basketball is what we did. And, you know, we, we kind of surprised a lot of people. I remember uh, my freshman year, probably late night on a Friday or Saturday night in the fall. 
football team loses on a loses a game. I'm walking home late that one night, and like some Carolina fan I just create combo with, and nobody knows who I am yet at that time. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, your football team stinks," or something like that. I was like, "Oh, basketball's around the corner." He's like, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna be terrible there too this year." So there was literally no expectation that year for us, and you know, to finish third in the ACC or second in the ACC, whatever we did that year, and be a three seed, I think uh, was, was a was a big success. How was Roy Williams that year? I mean, he'd come off that 2005 championship. You, of course, weren't there, but you were in the recruitment process going through that. And then you guys get there, and there's not that big an expectation, at least not on the outside. I know Coach Williams' expectations are always the same, no matter who's on the team. How, how did he handle that? How did you guys handle that? You talked about being naive youngsters. And I get that part, but surely y'all understood the Carolina mystique and all of that going into it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things Coach does better than anybody is he's an unbelievable motivator. Uh, he gets everybody within the program to believe. Um, and, yeah, we, we thought we were good. He would tell us, hey, there's, no, there's not a team in the country that can go in and, you know, beat Duke at Duke. And, you know, we go and do it. David Noel, like just the motions that he has as a senior, you know, telling us after the game, you guys don't even realize what you got, what you just did. But, you know, that all goes back to coach motivating us and leading us and everybody on the team, you know, believe that we could do it. And, um, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for, for, for being the motivator that he is. What was David Noel like to play with? Because I think from the outside looking in, super fun guy, uh, super athletic. And obviously one of the greatest leaders that, that Roy Williams has coached. What was it like playing kind of, I guess, under him as a senior? And what do we not know about David Noel that, that you can kind of inform some of us and the readers? Um, no, I think you guys – I think he's pretty open with his personality, his, um, you know, leadership style, everything. He's just, he's just a fun person to be around. You can see it now that he's coaching back, back in Durham. You know, kids are going to love playing for him just like we love playing with him. Uh, he was – a guy who wore a ton of different hats. He could play inside. You know, he was starting it as a four-man for us. Maybe he was a three-man probably. And he played in the NBA for two seasons as a, as a wing. And so he could take it outside the perimeter. He could go inside. He he, he did it all for us. And uh, he was just a blast to play with, a blast to follow. Um, you know, we would hang out, uh, you know, in the off days and stuff. And he was just a guy that could always, you know, make the locker room a, a fun, fun place to be. Let me ask you, piggyback off that, and ask you about the leadership aspect of it. And I want to get to the, you know, the, the Duke games in Cameron and whatever. But talk about that leadership aspect of Noel. Everybody talks about that portion from him, but how important is that to you as a, a basketball player, as a basketball coach, to have the leadership on a, a team, whatever team it is, and. Noel obviously did that as good as anybody has at Carolina, but speak to the importance of having that guy on a team, any team, um, as far as a, how good a basketball team can be. Yeah, no, I think it's it's huge. Uh, you see it, you know, with every national championship team, every Final Four team the coach has. There's there's talented players that have been there two, three, four years, and uh, you know, for Dave to be through it been through different coaches. He knew what coach wanted and, you know, in 2003, 2004, he learned the system, the culture, everything coach Williams is preaching. And then he can kind of live that out and practice every day and by what he's telling us. And then we can fall in line and learn from him. And then we can hopefully teach that to the next group that comes in behind, behind you guys. So it's, it's 
major, majorly important to have someone on your team who is, who is a great leader. Um, you know, even in 2009, we didn't have a vocal leader, uh, but Tyler Ansbrook, the way he worked, his work ethic, he was the best player on the team, national player of the year, everyone's going to fall in line behind him. So, you know, there's different types of leadership that you can take, but when your best player is your hardest worker and, you know, you know, like David, who's vocal, or Tyler, who's just your hardest worker, you know, it's, it's really, really important to have someone like that. Yeah, and then kind of sticking with your freshman year, I mean, that was my sophomore year at UNC. And what's one of my strongest memories is that 2006 game at Cameron to ruin J.J. Reddick and Sheldon Williams' senior night. And y'all came in as freshmen, and Hanser had a huge game with that three-point shot in the closing minutes. And you hit those free throws to kind of clinch it there. And that seemed like one of the biggest wins that a lot of players on that team have pointed to. What was it like to go into Cameron as freshman, never played there before, get that win? And then also a subscriber question was, you had a little smile on the free throw line that people caught when you knocked down those free throws. What was so? What was that game like? And then what were you thinking about with that smile and kind of the backstory of, of that whole game? Yeah, so I mean, I kind of grew up, not grew up, but like in eighth grade, freshman year, I, I was for some reason a Duke fan. I don't know why, but I... I, oh, I remember cheering. I remember cheering when Chris Duhon made the, the reverse layup, at, you know, to win in, at, at the Smith Center. Like it, it's it's crazy. Some of the I went to the Duke basketball camp when I was in, going into my freshman year in high school. I remember playing against Chris Collins and Wojo. They were still playing with like campers back then. So, and I was I was drinking some of the Kool Aid, I guess. Uh, but I saw the light, so it was really really cool. And <laughs> freshman year, you, you hear about the game and the build up to it, and and it's it is a national game, you know, as big as it is in the state of North Carolina, even growing up in Chicago in the Midwest, you know, everyone's watching that game. And so, uh, you know, the last game of the year going into Duke, they're the number one seed or number one ranked team in the country. JJ Reddick's going to be player of the year. Sheldon Williams, all American, you know, one of the best defenders and to go over there and, and, and beat them was, uh, was, was amazing. A side note to it, my, brother or my sister and brother-in-law they were uh pregnant at the time and my brother-in-law told me hey he goes hey if you guys win that game you can be the godfather um to to our first <laughs> child i don't think he expected us to win so when we won he like kind of pulled me inside like hey you can be the next one like because they already had somebody else in mind so uh not not many people expected us to go over there and win and uh yeah it was just an amazing amazing night and you ask any one of the 09 guys you know your best memory outside of winning the national championship we all we will all point back to that game uh being 18 19 year olds and winning winning at duke but uh going back to the free throw line at the end yeah it's we almost like i always watch that game when it's back on you know espn classic or something there's not a ton of games i will go back and watch but that's one of them but yeah we we tried hard to give that game away down the stretch which is funny but then yeah, going on the free throw line, you make a free throw, put you up by four, make it a two-possession game with 30 seconds left or something. That's Dave Noel then looks at me on the free throw line and for some reason just yells, Bobby's world. And so that's what made, made kind of made me smile. And I look back at him and smile and nodded Bobby's world. So the video, I think, is actually on my Instagram if you want to go look. But you can see me mouth mouth it. And But that's just Dave Noel kind of, I guess, just relaxing me and, you know, have, having some fun. Yeah, and you had that like shaved head, I think, which was what was a pretty unique look. Oh yeah, that was that was a bad phase, bad <laughs> phase for me. Going back and looking at the pictures, I was uh, I was definitely into the uh, basketball culture at the time, wearing you know three X T shirts and I had jean <laughs> shorts and Air Force Ones, rocking around uh, Chapel Hill while all the frat guys had the you know shorter shorts and stuff. So I was I probably stuck out like a sore thumb. 
Yeah, and I mean that career, that that game, and, and obviously the years that followed were were huge for your class. And obviously, Hansborough kind of became this phenomenon in college basketball. Can you kind of explain, like, when you kind of realized how good he was going to be? I know he had that forty point game against Georgia Tech at home, y'all's freshman year. But then, you know, four time All American and, and obviously National Player of the Year. What was it like playing with him? Kind of firsthand experiencing him as a person as a player and kind of the talent and the, such a big deal that he was uh during UNC career obviously he's one of your best friends right yeah his uh whole legacy just kind of grew and took on you know new life each year and uh you know to be a all-american as a freshman at North Carolina it was, was pretty special being alongside him and you know being the system that coach Williams has where he's preaching get the ball inside and put the other team in foul trouble and get to the free throw line and I think it fit Tyler, you know, to a T. Obviously, he's a very, very skilled player, a very, very athletic player that he doesn't get enough credit for. People just think, oh, he's a bull in a china shop, and he just throws his body around, and he travels, and he does this and that. I mean, the guy is the all-time leading scorer in, you know, North Carolina history, which is, is, is pretty crazy to say that I played with him for four years, and he didn't get that way just by being a bull in a china shop. He, he could make jump shots. He had touch around the basket. Uh, he made a ton of free throws, obviously the most in NCAA history, so... Uh, his whole legacy on top of being a very, very good basketball player, just his personality off the court, I think, added to that. Obviously, Jonas Serration giving him the Psycho T nickname and then him having his quirks and stuff being from Poplar Bluff. It, it's, it was just a perfect storm, and you know, I'm glad I was there for a front row seat. Let me ask you this about his game, and I, and I know you know it may not be a bit, that big a deal to guys that have played, and yeah, you know, we've been fortunate to see it up close, but a lot of people don't realize how physical it is. Talk about the beating that that guy took on a night in and yeah. night out basis. I mean, just speak to that because, I mean, I, I want you to comment on when he got his nose bloodied, but just in general, I mean, he got beat to death just about as bad as any college basketball player I can remember. Yeah, just, just playing in the post at any level is like taxing on your body. You know, people think, oh, you're running around as a guard or something. That's that's hard. But to bang up against and try to hold off other 250-pound guys, you know, all game is just – that, that takes a toll on your on your wind, on your body, on your muscles. And, and he was getting fouled every which way, too. You see games where he's got blood coming this way or he gets a broken nose or his, obviously his contact would fall out six times a game. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, he, he was able just to, to take all that in stride. That's just the personality that he has, uh, the mindset that he has, that he's going to win. He's not going to be stopped. He's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming at you. And uh, you know, there's not one time where I think, man, Tyler really got bested you know, tonight by that other guy. He, he, he always brought it and probably got the best of everyone he played. Are, are, there, any, are there any crazy workout stories? I, we always hear about you know pulling trucks and pushing trucks in the parking lot and how much of a weight room monster he was. Is there anything that sticks out to you when you think about Tyler and how hard he worked to, to get ready for this season? Um, I, there's not like, oh, oh, we would do this workout. Um, it, it's probably more just his consistency in there. Uh, you know, some guys, they just wouldn't have it some days. Or, you know, if we weren't lifting with Jonas, in a, you know, um, NCAA regulated workout period, Tyler would still be in there. Or if we had an off day, he'd come in there and do something extra with Jonas, whether it's med ball or whether it's doing something in the pool to recover his body or yeah, he was just always, always, always trying to do something more that could give him an edge. Um, and I think that was, 
kind of just when it was starting to come, but like now you see all NBA players, how much they invest in their bodies and things like that. And, and Tyler was soaking all that up from a young age, even when he was in high school when he was doing protein shakes in between classes and trying to put on weight. And um, He's always, always very, taking very, very good care of his body. Bobby, what's your take on the Gerald Henderson foul, bloody nose, <laughs> whatever you want to call it? I mean, Dewey's talked about no, it. Those, 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 are, uh, those are podcast buddies now. They, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the tobacco road right. podcast bros. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, I think I missed a free throw that Tyler got fouled and puts him on the line and then he misses his free throw and that's when it happened. And so, yeah, I look back on it. One, if I make my free throws, it doesn't happen. If he makes his free throws, it doesn't happen. But you know, when it does, when it did happen, it like, I would, you don't process it fast enough. It's, uh, you know, I wish Tyler would have kicked it out. Like we kill more time, you know, something like that. But, it was just, it just happened so fast and it was just a blur when he stood up and had all the blood on him and the crowd's going nuts. And so it was, it was surreal there for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, everyone hated Duke even more so after that, with the, you know, there was YouTube videos of people putting rap songs out about it. And it was just, it was just a wild, wild time. I, that's, I tell people that though, like that's my one regret, obviously won a national championship. That was amazing. You're always going to be remembered for that and being on that team. But like if you just started an all-out brawl at that point, a Duke Duke Carolina brawl, and just start tackle Henderson, and he goes into the first row and the cheerleaders, it just it would have been living to this day on ESPN before every promo of of that game. Well, that, that's what I told Dewey. I was like, Dewey, you could have been legendary, man. You you were right Dewey, there. Dewey still Dewey still is legend. Him and Carl Hess are in that photo forever. <laughs> they're, they're gonna be like, who's this guy? Oh, that's that's Biscuit. That's that's Biscuit's Burke right there. I was I was gonna ask how come uh, how come Dewey got the uh, the glorious the holdback guy and where were you to to kind of get in between things? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I was mad at Tyler that he didn't, didn't kick it out to kick more time. That's just the, the coach in me. We should have killed some more clock there. He was going to pad his stats and trying to get some more points. That's what he gets. That's right. And so, kind of moving on to the rest of your career. Obviously, you played with some great guys: uh, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington. Brandon Wright, so some really important players during that part of, uh, I guess, UNC program history. W- what stands out about about those three guys, the talent they are, and and how, I mean, El- Ellington and Lawson in particular, kind of being key figures in that 2009 championship run, um, those two guys in particular? Yeah, we got, I'm, I was fortunate enough to play with a, a lot of good players, but on top of that, they're all great guys. Like Brandon Wright, a lot of people forget about him just because he was, you know, at Chapel Hill for, for a quick, quick minute, but he was an amazing, amazing talent just with his, his length and his ability to block shots and the dunks and stuff that he had. You could throw an alley-oop to him top of the square and he'd somehow go get it. But, but yeah, playing with Wayne and Ty and Danny, like all those guys were just amazing people to be around fun, fun teammates, great teammates that worked their tails off. I mean, Wayne for him to still be in the league this year, um, Danny's still in the league, Ty's still playing like these guys, the, it's, it's amazing to see. Um, but in college, those guys were the real deal. Uh, you look, you looked at our lineup, we could put up a lot of points because Ty could score in many different ways. Wayne could, Wayne could stroke it. Danny could stroke it. Danny's doing everything, you know, stuff in the stat sheet. So it was, uh, it was a fun, fun time to, to, to be, to be a part of Carolina basketball. What was Lawson like as a person? Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you probably saw him out in some capacity when you were in Chapel Hill, but he was, <laughs> He's a great dude. Like everyone, he gets a bad rap. Um, I feel uh, just for some of the off the court stuff, but he he's a great, great dude to be around. Um, he was funny. He was witty. He was engaging. Um, 
you know, he, 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 he and I got along really, really well. Like people would think, oh, the guy who comes in and takes your job and starts over you and stuff, you're not going to like that guy. But, you know, we would compete in practice, but off the court we'd be telling jokes and, and laughing and having fun. So he, he, he's a great person. Was he the best player on the 09 team? Are you asking that just because he won what player of the year that year and stuff like that? And, I, mean, I, I just a lot of people say assume you know Hansborough's the best player, but was well, let me ask you this: was Lawson the most important player on that '09 team? Yeah, well, hundred percent. You look at his stats during that tournament run from you know the LSU game to the national championship game; they're pretty pretty ridiculous. And everybody says you know to win in March you have to have guards, and I, and I think a lot of that is true. And and Ty single-handedly won us the, the LSU game. Um, he was amazing that game. So, yeah, he, I would say he's the most important uh, part of that national championship team. Let me ask you about the 09 season, the 09 championship run. How stressful for you was it? And how stressful um, for the team was it with everybody picking Carolina to win it? Everybody expected you guys to win it. I mean, did that add any stress, or was it just really a fun run with a bunch of your buddies? Yeah, we we had we kept it pretty loose. Um, you know, we 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 got it rolling. Uh, I think I think honestly, losing in the AC tournament may have helped. Uh, people, you know, people are gonna. Everybody wants to win the AC tournament. Yeah, we go in there helping, but it gives you an extra day of rest. You don't have to, you know, stay up till Sunday. Like you just get back and you just get ready for the tournament. I think I think that kind of, you know, gave us a little, you know. Some, a chip on their shoulder, I guess, to go to go prove some people wrong. Even though everyone was picking, picking us from uh, from November, you know, to go win the tournament. But even throughout the tournament, we find once you get over LSU and then you're in Sweet 16, and you know, you beat Oklahoma, you beat Gonzaga, all them, and you, had, you like things are just you're just having fun. And then you get to go to Detroit and you play well against uh, Villanova, and we were just always, always, always loose. And then it kind of helped that we got to play. Coach Williams got to play the underdog card when we were playing against Michigan State in Detroit even though there's no chance we were the underdog. But, again, like I said, he was a great motivator and got us to believe that. We probably used that to our advantage. There had to be some sort of, you know, coming off that 2008 game against Kansas and knowing the talent you had back, there had to be some sort of pressure, just a little, maybe a little more seriousness taken with y'all's final year. Was there anything that happened in terms of someone, you know, being a leader and stepping up and making a speech or just knowing that, you know, this was the year that everyone was returning and it had to happen in 2009? Yeah, see, like, we didn't want to talk about it. Um, you know, the Obviously, we started out really, really hot. Uh, I think we won our first 13 or something like that, and then we lose our first two ACC conference games. We lost at home to Boston College and on the road at Wake Forest, so a very good Wake Forest team. Um, so that kind of woke us up, um, but – yeah, once we got to the tournament, Coach Williams again. He he meant we weren't the greatest defensive team all season, but you know he knew how how important that was going to be for those that six game run, and and we all kind of bought in there. And Ty, like I said, when he wanted to, he could guard anybody, he could make life hell for anybody, and and I, again when he came back, he he really you know took off. Let me ask you an interesting question from Crazy Legs on our message <laughs> boards, and and I think it's actually a pretty cool question. Um, you were a recruit in 05, you played in 09, and you watched them win it from the stands in 17 as an alum and as part of the Carolina family. Talk about the different emotions um, for you personally in all three of those, because I'm sure there's players that have done it, uh, guys on your team have done it, but 
just speak personally how that was being in those positions in each of those years. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Obviously, everybody loves their college, but it's amazing how invested you get once you go through it. You still know the coaches. You still know all the people that are on staff there. And so I was down there in St. Louis in 05 when they won it. Tyler was there too. You know, I was pumped, cheering for Carolina. Hell, you know, hell yes, we're national champs. Great feeling. All right. And, uh, then in 09 when you win it, then it's like, oh, my God, we just won the national championship. I'm a national champion. It's a, a little different feeling. It's probably one of the only times I've ever really gotten emotional from a – you know, I'm an elated standpoint. I remember being in a lot and sitting in my locker after a game, we're celebrating, we're talking. And then Wes Miller calls or he's calling Eric Hoots and Eric gives me the phone. I'm talking to Wes on the phone. And then you just, just kind of hits you that your career's over. You won a national championship. And I remember just, just crying up then. And then again, to follow him now as, a, as an alum, you follow him. I was in Houston for the heartbreak for that one. And then go back out to, uh, to Scottsdale Phoenix and to see that. And I just remember being almost as emotional you know, as an 09 and just being around all the other former players and coaches and, and, and coach Williams, friends and family that I had there. It was just an awesome, awesome, you know, night to be in that, to see coach Williams get another one, see all the players that, that had been there and to earn it back after losing the year before it was, uh, you're just, you're just really, really invested in, in Carolina basketball. And so it's, it's awesome to see them have success. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have a little fun with, Bobby and Ross, and I am Tommy Ashley, your host. We'll be right back. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing. Saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right. Something I meant to ask you before the break, uh, Bobby, and we talked about it a little bit um, off the air, but Kobe White comes to Carolina this fall, um, this season. He's going to be probably expected to play point guard. Similar situation that you were in when you came in. Uh, Speak to what goes into that for a kid like White coming in. Obviously, he can score. He's a dynamic player. Point guard at Carolina is a completely different animal um, than probably any other position at any other school in the nation. Speak to that portion. Yeah, I think uh, you know, playing point for Coach Williams, he, he's obviously going to push him to play as fast and as under control as he, as he possibly can. That may be a little different. Um, he's going to have to know where all the – the other four guys in the court where they're supposed to be, what secondary they're running, uh, the the tempo of it, when this pass is supposed to be here. Okay, they're denying this. Let's go into this action. Um, so it will be a lot for him. I think it's the exact same situation I came in. We were able to go to the Bahamas my freshman year. So he's getting a lot of extra practice and a lot of extra reps probably right now or in August, whenever, before they go. Uh, that will be great for him. Uh, Coach Williams is also going to go with the guys who's been there. Same, same, you know, way he always – 
goes he's very loyal. Uh, same way I was starting my whole sophomore year until Ty was eventually going to take that job at some point. Obviously, the talent that he was. Um, but he's always going to give the benefit of the doubt to the, to the guy who's been through the system, who's been through the grind. Um, but, yeah, if Kobe can, you know, progress, and from what I've been hearing, he's been playing well, and they have, they have big hopes for him, it, it should be fun to see his progression. And hopefully he can keep that, that scoring mentality, too, uh, where he's not, he's not just going to come down, okay, i got to run this play. You know, he's, Coach Williams is going to allow him the, the freedom to be, to be a basketball player as well. Did not realize the Bahamas connection. That'll be interesting to see how he adapts to it. And it's not bad playing basketball in the Bahamas. Uh, not, you know. uh, it's a fun little trip. Fun little trip. And yeah, it's legal. They, can, uh, they can get they, they can gamble down there. Eighteen year olds. I remember doing that. Going down there, Tyler <laughs> run into the ATM after he lost a ton of money, and then he runs back. He didn't know the rules at all. He was like doubling down on twenty. He just thought that means you got to double your bet. Like he, he didn't know he was going to get an extra card. Um, he. <laughs> it was it was a fun fun time. Didn't, like... didn't Ty Lawson uh, gamble on one of the NCAA tournament trips, like in Detroit or maybe yeah, one of the Detroit, previous Detroit, years? Detroit, yeah, we had yeah. like an off night, and again, like Coach Williams was probably at the craps table, three craps tables over, you know, like and then <laughs> the press tried to make, press tried to make a big deal out of it. But Ty's, you know, twenty one at the time. There's nothing. You know, what should he be watching film at the time? Like we did all our prep and everything, and we had had a couple of hours or so. So yeah, they made a big deal out of it, but I don't think it was a <laughs> I don't think it was an issue. That's hilarious. Let me ask you, I texted one of your buddies and you predicted what I was going to ask you when we were off the air getting ready for this. But uh, I texted Dewey Burke and said, tell me something to ask Bobby Frazier that uh, a regular person wouldn't know to ask him. And he said, uh, ask him about our golf battles with me and him and Wes and Hoots. And, uh, oh, man. and to comment on your putting game, yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, that's, your battles that's like coming up here in August. Yeah, that's that's my. I've I've gotten the golf bug. I'd probably say four years ago since I'd done playing basketball. I don't really do that at all anymore competitively. Uh, golfing is an amazing, amazing sport. And and me, Tyler, Dewey, Wes, uh, Hoots, we'll we'll do a, go- a guys trip every year. Um, and you know we played Eagle Point. Luckily, this this past uh, June we were in San Francisco, and we're fortunate enough. Coach Hass, obviously being the head coach at Stanford, has some connections, so he got us on the Olympic Club. And um, you know, kid from Blue Island, Illinois, playing some of the nicest courses in the country. It's it's a lot of fun and playing with some of your best friends. It's it, it's it's a great great thing to do. Dewey's a scratch, but he he's. We we like to like give him some crap on on the golf course too. He 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 grew up on a country club, so it's a little different. But it's it's an amazing amazing sport to to have some fun with your buddies. So evaluate your game, evaluate and evaluate Tyler's game because yeah, I know. Oh, this is a this is a great question because <laughs> Tyler just recently got the he just joined a joined a course down there in Chapel Hill, so he's. He's, you know, trying to get new sticks and get new putters and learn the game and get a handicap and make it all official. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting. He, he's a guy that he probably is a little liberal, you know, with some of the rules of the, of the game of golf. Um, you know, he finds his ball. Oh, this is my ball. He'll pick it up and, you know, maybe maybe fluffs up his lie a little bit. But uh, he, he's, uh, he's getting there from what I hear. I haven't played with him outside of the one time in June. Um, I've heard he's been out at his club every day. Uh, in, in July, so uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to see see them in August again to play, and uh, and I have to put some money on that with Tyler. See, see if I can take some of his, some of his cash. Great, and yeah, it kind of transitions well to the next question about the Carolina family. What has that been like to you know obviously play at Carolina and then join this 
this essentially a, a fraternity of players that goes back in history and keeps growing today. What has been the best part about being part of the Carolina family and how often do you communicate with these guys and who are you closest with um, since you've graduated from UNC? Yeah, it's, you know, you hear about it, uh, obviously coming in, you don't really, you didn't really know what it was. And then you hear about how, the, how tight coach Smith was with his players. And when they all came back the NBA guys and, you know, would have pick up games against the current guys and take them out to eat. And then you lived through it all because we were freshmen when Sean and Raymond and all those guys had, had just been, you know, picked uh, or gone to the NBA. So then maybe the next summer they're back and you go out to eat and they'll pick up the tab or something. It's probably an NCAA violation that I'm throwing us under the bus or something for right now. But um, no, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing where there's actually uh, we're on a WhatsApp uh, group where there's probably 50, 75 guys. I don't even know. It's so many. And it goes back to, I mean, uh, Rasheed Voss is on there, Sam Perkins, uh, Vasco Evdimov. Like, it's amazing the range of guys that are on there and the relationship that some of these guys have. You know, whether it's Maktar and he's talking to Isaiah Hicks or he's talking to this guy. Like, it's, it's crazy to see the, you know, people that are decades apart that didn't even play against, play with each other, never played a pickup game against each other, have a relationship. And then as soon as you see one of these guys, it's it's totally okay for you to go up to them and talk to them and see how things are going and if they need anything and all these guys will help each other out if if, if there's something to need so it's uh it's a truly 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 a unique um alumni base just and i think because there's been so few coaches at carolina you know at all these other schools where there's coaching turnover guys are pretty loyal to their coach and so it's it's a little different at some other schools but uh it's i'm glad i'm a part of it and it's uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. What does it mean to you to have a seat at the table? Dewey talks about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, so. Again, that's probably shooting myself in the foot. Shouldn't tell the story. The night <laughs> before the uh, Houston game, before Villanova. So I guess before their se- uh, semifinal game, coach or coach had Sean May speak about winning a national championship and what it meant and all the hard work they put in for it. And coaches insanely insanely superstitious as you all know so he's like okay i gotta get an 09 guy to talk and you know everyone else on the 09 team still played in the nba at the time or they're playing somewhere and i was in town and so uh you know he asked me he's like hey will you speak to tim i was like uh yeah so you know that day thinking like all right what am i going to say blah blah i'm talking with uh Preston puckett one of my best friends his dad's one of coach williams best friends uh he's you know was a manager for us for four years he mentions you know all these alumni and, and stuff. And then he mentions just that seat at the table, just kind of off cuff. And I, it kind of just stuck with me. And so when I went to uh, speak to the team, just talked about how they're, all these alumni are sitting there cheering for him. But within that alumni, there's, you know, there's Michael Jordan and, and his team there, you know, the 93 team, there's Sean May and the 05 team. And just kind of went down the line where there's, you know, just a different seat at the table and they had a chance to, to get a seat at the table. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what it means to me. Uh, obviously the Carolina family, everybody's, equal you know no team's greater than the next team no team's bigger than the program itself but uh you know to win a national championship and hang a banner is 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 a special special thing i gotta follow up on this whatsapp group chat or is this just like a daily chat or is it based around certain no it's it's not daily it's like (laughs) it's like vince carter chiming in every once in a while no no that thing like like he'll chime in or you know like when Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace like took a photo in suits together and someone put like Wallace and Wallace attorneys. There's like, so somebody screenshots that photo and sends it and says, LOL, or 
Yeah. Like Voss is doing that Drake dance, uh, whatever channel, Kiki thing. He does that on his Instagram. So somebody puts that up and everybody's dying laughing, kind of just making fun of each other. But then if somebody signs a deal or if somebody, uh, you know, signs overseas, everybody's talking, hey, oh, I'm going to be in Vegas for the summer league. Anybody else out there, let's meet up. Like it's, it's, it's amazing, uh, you know, just the amount of guys on there that are willing to, to talk and laugh and share a fair amount of memories and, yeah, and they'll get going during games and talk about games and talk about Carolina basketball and this, oh, we need to do that. And and, and so it's, it's it's really interesting to see everybody's point of view. Gotcha. And then uh, and then following up kind of after you graduated from UNC, you went and played abroad. And I, I was put on my journalism hat and Googled your name and found the Wikipedia page. You played in the Balkan League, I think for one season with uh, BC. Yeah, played, uh, so that, that's, Go ahead. Yeah, again, that's, this, is, this is probably – Again, the Carolina family helping you out. The team, I, so I obviously don't have a massive resume from my college years. You know, obviously breaking your foot, tearing your ACL, don't put up numbers your senior year. But I still wanted to prove that I could play at a high level and, and play professionally. And so um, Vasco Efimov and his brother, I guess they were in Bulgaria. Obviously, they're part Bulgarian. They were there training. Um, and the team they were training with, one of their point guards got hurt. All right, so he gets hurt. And then the agency I was with, they're trying to get me on the team. And the coach or GM of this team, they, they start talking to the Eftimov brothers, the one who I played against at NC State, and then Boss, who I grew, you know, played with when he was back in the summers in Carolina. And they, they're like, oh, you got to get this guy. you got to get this guy on the team. So, you know, just that Carolina connection helped me land my first professional job over there in Bulgaria. And so uh, that was pretty cool. And then the following year, or actually that year, I got to travel, you know, played in Macedonia, played in Romania, Serbia, um, Montenegro. It was it – was, a lot of fun traveling in the Eastern Bloc and, and playing basketball there. Uh, lived in Sofia, a million people in the city. is an awesome, awesome city. If you're ever, if you're ever in Bulgaria, you know, give it, <laughs> give it a look. But, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was an amazing, amazing experience, and I'm glad I did. What is it like to be a professional basketball player in Bulgaria? I mean, can you kind of paint the picture day-to-day and anything crazy? I'm I sure mean, there's got to be some crazy stories there with the, with the team and stuff. Um, I mean, our, our coach was like, I honestly think he was like a mobster. Like he, he'd be like sitting in practice. He'd have this guy like massaging his head. You know, people would bring him in like plates of food. Um, he like had commercials. Like he would always tell our teammates, you know, if, if they got pulled over, like we would call him and like hand the phone to the, to the Bulgarian. Like I never got pulled over, but uh, my teammates were telling me stories like this. And, um, it, it was, it was, it was just amazing. Uh, it was, <laughs> The culture, it was it was a lot of fun. I met some great people, and they uh, had a blast doing it. We won a couple championships, and, you know, you get bonus money. But then one time we lost at home to a team that I don't know if we should have lost, but they took money from our paycheck, and we're like, hey, hey, hey that wasn't even our contract. If we lost at home, you can just take money from our paycheck. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Any crazy on-the-court uh, stories? I, I've seen some uh, stories over there, people throwing smoke bombs in the arena, people – get pissed and, and any crazy stories like that over there? Um, you know, just fans. I mean, even if in a game, okay, let's say I'm playing in front of 500 people, maybe. All right. And like the ref makes a bad call and we're in, we're in a podunk town in Bulgaria, a small, small town. And like fans are like spitting on refs. They're like throwing batteries. I'm just like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, it's just, it's a small, small venue like that where everybody can see everyone's face and you can see who's doing what. It's just, um, yeah, it's just a different type of uh, basketball, but it but it's it's a blast. And then my next year in Cyprus, I even got to play against Shimon Williams. Shimon Williams was on one team, so there's another 
that Carolina family uh, full circle story. Sound like Reynolds College for a minute. And then you uh, and then you go back, you come back to Chapel Hill, and you're on the on the staff there for a year, and you follow uh, Coach Hass to UAB. And then I think you got out of coaching there and, and moved back to the Chicago area. What was the decision there to kind of remove yourself from college coaching and pursue kind of a, a different path that, in yeah, basketball actually, still? I was probably 25, 26, 27 at the time. You know, I guess you can call it a quarter-life crisis. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I, I'm doing ops at UAB. I'm booking flights. I'm running camps. I just wasn't really enjoying it. I'm not on the court coaching. I have no impact on anything that, you know, wins or loss related in my opinion. And so it was just, I don't know. I probably got out of it too soon to be honest with you. I have the hindsight's 2020. Um, but I literally just, you know, quit, I guess, until, you know, moved, I actually moved back to North Carolina um, and just didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know what profession I was going to be, what industry I wanted to do. If I wanted to keep coaching, if I wanted to stay in basketball, if I wanted to do that. So I just kind of networked and, you know, that was amazing. Just being, seeing all the people you can meet um, from the Carolina family, just alone, not, not even basketball related and ended up doing living in Raleigh for a year, uh, working at a commercial real estate firm with uh, Greg Sanchez over Tri Properties. He swam at Carolina. He's an amazing, amazing person, um, amazing uh, company and did that for about eight, nine months. And that really, I guess, wasn't the passion I had, I guess. And my high school job, my alma mater opened up uh, that March and uh, you know, kind of went, went from there. And now I've, I've been here for just finished my third season. So back in Chicago, um, coaching, having fun, family's here. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Great. Like and we're going to kind of – Let me ask about coaching high school kids. Yeah, go what's, ahead. It, what's it like? How is it different um, from when you were coming along and what you saw growing up? I mean, how has it changed over the years? Um, I don't know if it's that different. Um, what I What I tend to believe and what I've heard when – older people spoke at coaches that have coached for years and years. And they say, you know, the kids haven't changed. It's, it's the parents. And, and nowadays there's a culture where there's always a spot for my son. You know, if I can't make this travel team, boom, I'm going to take my money. I'm going to put him over here and he's going to be on this travel team. And so that, that kind of trickles down into basketball or into high school. If, if you're making cuts, if you're, um, you know, kids not playing, you know, parents are mad and they either transfer or they'll, you know, call you. And it, it's just, it's dealing with that with that whole mindset that there always, there's always a place for my son. There's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of parents or at least obviously there are some, there's some great, great parents that we have, you know, when you get caught or if you're not playing, you know, what are you doing wrong? Or, you know, what can you do more? Or, you know, it's not just quit, go somewhere else and, and play, play at a lower level. It's you know, stick it out and, and learn from it, grow from it. And so that's, that's the one thing I'm learning is, is, is dealing with the parents. But I think the kids are great. I think kids are very, very impressionable in the high school level. Uh, you go to the college level and everyone's thinking, you know, league or I want to go play professionally or I know this, I know that. Whereas in high school, I think these kids really, really look up to your high school coach. I know I did. My dad was a high school coach. He looked up to him. And, and so I think from a character standpoint, you can really, really have a positive impact. Uh, obviously, basketball-wise, the knowledge that I have, you can really help kids grow. And if they have dreams of playing at college level, then I can do everything I can to, to, to get them there. So uh, it's, it's been great so far. Awesome. And we're going to close here with three questions, kind of random questions here. Uh, we'll battle them off here. First, um, and we want to thank you, Bobby, for, for being so gracious with your time. It's been a pretty long podcast, but I think it's been very intriguing, interesting stuff. Um, but the first question, Roy Williams turns 68 
on August 1st coming up here. And obviously he's had a Hall of Fame career, three titles at UNC, but he's not me coaching forever. Who do you think, you know, is going to be on the short list of names to replace Roy Williams at UNC? Have you given that any thought? And are there any names that you want to toss out that you think would be good fits to kind of carry on the legacy at Carolina? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Obviously, <laughs> everybody wants wants to keep it in the family, but you know, it's it, right now. You know, I I think Coach has a couple more years in him. Obviously, he starts getting some more top ten players, and um, that, that'll give him some excitement to coach uh, some more. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's you know, obviously Hubert from being on on staff, being a Carolina guy, he falls in that mix. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse is, is kind of ascending the coaching ladder, um, being in the NBA now and stuff like that. So he's going to be in the mix. Um, you know, Coach Haas, if he does well out of Stanford, I think he can be in the mix. You know, there's, there's West over at UNCG is doing really well, but he's going to have to go up up a level, up another level, you know, before you can't go from UNCG to Carolina. But I think he's doing an amazing, amazing job with the program down there, and I think he's a rising star. Um but, I mean, ultimately, you can even look outside the family. I would have no problem with that. Uh, I don't know if that's sacrilegious being a, a Carolina guy, but, you know, I want what's best for the program. And if it's, you know, a Mark Few, if it's a Chris Mack, if it's a whatever, you know, everybody, it was Brad Stevens back in the day. I don't think he's leaving the NBA. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you have to go outside the family and find the best candidate that's possible to, to lead the program, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think a lot of that, what you just said, kind of aligns with, with what most Carolina fans would say in some of those names and, and some of those top names outside the family. A couple off, kind of off-color questions here. Uh, I think, I mean, I was in school when you were in school, and what I remember, one of the things I remember was when you, Marcus, and Hansborough jumped off the SAE uh, fraternity balcony into the above-ground pool on last day of classes. I think this was after the 2008 season. And yeah, and Hansberg, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler just announced he's coming back that day. Yeah, um, last day, last day of classes, so everybody's in a, a lively mood. But uh, yeah, it was. I don't, I don't know. Pool's there, and Tyler's a big. He would always look to me if, if Bob does it, I'll do it. And same, same thing, you know. If Bob, if Bob wants to go to this restaurant, I'll go. And I, you know, so Bob jumps, I'll jump. So and obviously I jump, and then he does. And Mark said, but the thing that's crazy is back, and you know, it doesn't seem that long ago in 2008. I guess it is 10 years, but it took like a week, a week and a half for that to circulate and get out. Like if something, if that were to happen nowadays, it'd be two seconds. You know, it's Snapchat, it's Twitter, it's it's everywhere. Uh, but even Facebook was still around and that happens. Some girl posts it to her Facebook picture. Somebody sees it, puts it on their sports blog, then it gets circulated. And then slow news cycle, I guess in May or April, whenever that was. And so it gets on part of, or part of the interruption. Um, and, and that's, that's when coach Williams kind of asked Tyler and I about it, but, uh, you know, he just told us he's a little bit savvy, but it's, it's, it's crazy. I was I was playing golf with Ryan Taylor. He lives in Chicago here and played football at Carolina. And uh, he was telling me a little side story, I guess, that another frat across the way he may have been a part of, I guess, I guess they dump buckets of uh, not so, not water, I guess I'll say, uh, in, in the pool the night before. So it's was, it was great, to, great to learn that one 10 years after the fact. <laughs> so what was the conversation with Coach Williams like? I mean, I, obviously it happened a, a week or two later. Did he just pull you all aside and, and talk to you all about it? And yeah. He, hindsight he really wasn't that big of a deal. He's like, are you guys okay? And we're like, yeah, like, fine. And so then, like, you know, Tyler immediately, I did it because Bob, you know, he, he, <laughs> Tyler is the, like, he hates uh, authority, I guess. Like, he's, if he's driving the speed limit and sees a police officer, he climbs on the brakes and he has 10 miles underneath the speed limit. Like, 
if a teacher thinks you're talking in class, like he, he, he'll be the most quiet kid in class. It's amazing to see how, I guess, uh, you know, he responsive he is to, to people of authority, but I guess that's a good thing. But yeah, he immediately threw me under the bus in front of coach Williams and um, yeah, coach kind of just shook his head and, you know, told us to use better savvy, but he knew we were okay. And um, yeah, Tyler told his dad the same thing I did for Bob did. And, you know, his dad, same thing. Well, I'm, I'm glad Bob didn't, you know, jump off a bridge or something like that. So uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it's fun looking back on, but you know, yeah, play, my players now they'll Google, Google my name and bring that up. And it's, it's, it's just funny. You got to live with it. It's a classic kind of college story. It combines, you know, high level athletes, fraternities, an above ground pool, and then rumors and things like that. And this kind of leads to the next question, which is going to be our final question. Going to give you the floor, Bobby, to kind of tell your side of the story. I was Googling some stuff before this interview, and we had some guys on the message board also ask about it. The whole Aaron Andrews, Bobby Frazier deal. What was the story? What happened? Add some truth to it. I know there was a little potential rendezvous at a hotel bar with a bunch of you guys <laughs> after a game with the the famous yeah. ESPN reporter. Can you just shed light on the whole deer and kind of clear the air for us? <laughs> so I, guess the, I guess there's like three parts to this story. So – we play them in my senior year. Aaron Andrews does our game. We play Kentucky. Some guys in the front row of the student section take a picture with her. They send the article into Deadspin, which at the time is like one of the biggest sports blog around. And they say, you know, here's a picture of Aaron. Rumors around campus that her and Bobby Fraser have a late night together. Like, I know nothing of this. And so then I'm like in <laughs> like some business class, like on a Wednesday or whenever this was. And one of my buddies texts me and he's like, dude, like, go to Deadspin right now. Like you got to, you got to see this. And so they go there and it's obviously like one of the, one of the lead stars. And I'm like, Oh my God, like what the heck? And uh, so that was just wild. But then she comes to do one of our games later that year when we play Miami and I'm like walking out of practice and she's like right there ready to interview like Kyler or Ty or someone. She's like, I should punch you in your head. I'm like, why? She's like, you didn't squash your story. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Like release a press state, you know, press release. Oh, I did not. I spent a late night with Aaron Andrews when she was on camp. Like, it was just the most ludicrous stuff. But then she was kind of – she was really cool about it, like, joking with Tyler. Like, oh, at least they could have rumored me with a starter, you know, kind of <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so then we beat Miami. Then that night, somehow, like, just by talking with Tyler, someone, she was she was telling us that where she was staying. And so, like, we're, like, 21-year-olds, you know, we're – let's go. We just, had, we just had a big win. And so we were, like, decide that, hey, we're going to go to the hotel and we're going to, like, go see if she's at the hotel bar like no like we have no idea if she's there or not so we roll up and there's like floor to ceiling windows like clear and she's like standing right there and we're like oh god so then we're sitting in the car like a bunch of you know 16 year olds at a dance are we gonna go ask the girl to dance stuff like that and we marcus gets out i'm going in so us five walk in and she like holds her hand up she's like oh no she's like you guys got to get out of here right now she's like this will be all over the internet tomorrow and we're like and then tyler's in there and Tyler's like, no, no, we come here all the time. We come here all the time. It's like a hotel bar. Like, like yeah, we frequent this hotel bar after games. This is this is our spot. But uh, no, she was super cool. Um, we stayed there. You know, had a drink maybe, and you know, kind of laughed away into the night after that. But uh, then in 2012, I want to say the Super Bowl's in Indianapolis, and Tyler's playing with the Pacers. He goes out to some Super Bowl Super Bowl party. She's there, and so this is three years after the fact. And Tyler walks in. She's like, hey. Aren't you friends with that with that asshole Bobby Fraser? <laughs> and Tyler's like, no, no, I kind of know him. I kind of like so again, same thing. He throws me under the bus, acts like he doesn't he doesn't know me. But 
you know, the fact that, that she still, I guess, is mad about that three years after the fact was, uh, was kind of funny. So that was, that was the whole story. Again, nothing ever happened, but it, it definitely uh, had a lot of legs to the story. And to this day, if I'm ever in Chapel Hill or someone comes up to me, I, I'll, I'll get one of those questions per year maybe. Um, and so it's, it's amazing what, what, what people can, can believe and what stories can just kind of go everywhere. It was asked uh, three times out of 18 posts on our Bobby Frazier podcast <laughs> question. So it definitely still has those legs. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Look, man, I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to join us. It's been a great show. Um, I, I know our listeners are like it. I appreciate your time, Ross. You know, this is all Ross is doing, folks. Ross set this up with Bobby, and uh, it worked out pretty well. But <laughs> he, slid in, he slid into my DMs. Yeah. that's right well that's he told me he knew you man he was like we're buds yeah we hang out we hang we, we hang out in memphis that's where we, hang out. we have that's oh that's right i did see you that bar in memphis that's I right yeah. that. Was it? that was a fun that's night a, yeah interesting bar i remember you you walked you walked up to adam smith of the burlington times news we still joke about this and you go you're still covering these effers asking him if he still covered you and see because he covered you that was funny Oh, wow. Yeah, the late night. Yeah, that was a good time. Great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking time again and uh, joining us. Maybe we'll talk again. Maybe we can get in-season feedback from Bobby Frazier. Maybe have a Dewey Burke, yeah, Bobby I'll, Frazier. I'll jump on the, the Dewey Burke podcast. Maybe I can be fortunate enough to be a guest of his on the, on the podcast. So. <laughs> it works for me. We'll make it happen. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Bobby. That'll hey. do it for this edition. I'm Tommy Ashley. It's been mm-hmm. Ross Martin. Special thanks to Bobby Frazier. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.